Welcome to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and we are in the second half of an interview I'm doing with Meg Gage. And this half hour, we are going to be focusing um, primarily on Amherst, the history of Amherst from Meg's long life of being Ugh. here, uh, and also about some of the town politics, the, the current um, Amherst Charter Commission that's going on, and also, um, I hope we can touch on the issue of the schools that the mm -hmm. town, special town meeting will be coming back at the end of the month. This is January 2017. Okay, so welcome back. Thank you. Um, I wanted to start to hear about some of the changes. I love hearing these stories. Your house, your first house was... Um, the house we moved to in 1954 was, yeah. is on North Pleasant Street. It's uh, unrecognizable now as a home. It's where Hair by Harlow and some other things I can, yeah. are. Because the whole part that's Hair by Harlow was our yard. Oh, wow. Uh, and my father had a medical practice in part of the house, too. Yeah. So it's a North Pleasant Street. It was right across from... Uh, the, the White Sisters, they were the, had a home there. They were two elderly women. They were the first Amherst girls when they were teenagers to have bicycles. Uh, and there were r homes along there. Um, yeah. There was a Dairy Queen. And I used to be able to, my bedroom window doesn't exist because it's now been built onto, but um, I used to, in summers, look out at the Dairy Queen across the street when I was little, and I'd see these high school students out there eating, sitting on the hood of their car. Yeah eating ice cream cones, and I thought that was the most extraordinary thing I could imagine with <laughs> a high school really student sweet. in the summer and sitting on the hood of a car eating an ice cream cone with wow. your friends. I just thought, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and over time, like, And all the mobile these... station was there. It was. Yeah, and so it was the mobile station, the Dairy Queen, and then there was H.E. David's bicycle repair place, and huh. then homes. Then homes. But the, the homes, the residential area, it stopped pretty close outside of town, right? I mean, you, so where, where, were, where was the end of town? So going out East Pleasant Street, all yeah. those homes off East Pleasant Street were built er, later than that. They were okay. built around the, um, uh, as the university grew very dramatically in the early 60s, um, went from what fourth something around fourth I don't know the exact numbers four thousand students to twenty then twenty four right right um, the town really changed dramatically and mushroomed yeah. so the housing off of East Pleasant Street was built Echo Hill later Amherst mm -hmm. Woods a lot of the developments um, house lovely middle class homes outside yeah. of the center of town and also were there more student housing built. In that era, or not really? No, they lived on campus, as yeah. I recall. Um, there wasn't the off-campus student population that, that, there is that we now. have now. I'm not sure yeah. why. Yeah. Um, but there, the, the North Pleasant Street was had elm trees that um, created shade on the whole North Pleasant Street, oh, they, yeah. and they all died. There yeah. were trolley tracks. Wow. Uh, that went up to Mount Holyoke. There were actually, I think, the trolley tracks originally back, you know, turn of the century when all the, you know, went all up and down sure, the East Coast. Sure, sure. So, uh, 
I want to kind of just fast forward into mm -hmm. what's going on now. Um, I remember in the 90s going, I was a town meeting member, and going and seeing you and your dad sitting <laughs> together, right? So you learned about town meeting and saw it as something mm -hmm. to do be, through that modeling of your father. Sort of. At that point, though, he came into it because I was in it. Oh, see, uh, I made the other yeah, assumption. Well, I, I would have maybe... Uh, he he rejoined town meeting as an okay. older person. Yeah, and we would go together. Yeah, that yeah. was nice. But uh, <laughs> what are what are your thoughts about how the town is changing now, and how the the interest in changing our form of government is happening? Jumping in the deep end there, Marcy. <laughs> yeah, why don't we just get to it so we have plenty of time? Um, well, changes. Uh, the only thing you can can be counted on as change, which is good, usually, yeah. and, and influencing change so that it is good. Yeah. So I'm not one of these people, nostalgic. I don't usually go around talking about how long I've lived here. Um, I'm not opposed to change. Uh, and I think it's important to pay attention so you get the change that you want. Yeah. And any time a community grows very quickly, um, uh, it grows. that's change in itself, and how sure. it grows makes a difference. Yeah. Um, I think we're going through a period now where the university is trying to uh, see, seeks to become a major national university like yeah. Wisconsin, one of the big universities, which requires attracting out-of-state students. Mm -hmm. uh, they pay more. They're more likely to be wealthy. They can yeah. afford um, to live. They can afford to have more choices in where mm -hmm. they live. Mm -hmm. um, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the man's name on Fearing Street. Um, it might come to me. He's done some research that shows that students uh, living off campus can compete in the cost of housing with a family, hmm. compete favorably with a family that makes $100,000. Wow. Um, so the change, uh, there's, uh, Amherst hmm. is a much harder place for middle income people to be able to afford. Yeah. And it's not just because we don't have a lot of development downtown. It's because we're not building middle-income homes. Right. Uh, and there's not enough incentive for that. Well, so, not only the homes, the new homes aren't being built, but middle-income homes are being bought up by the developers right. and being used as, as rentals they are. for students. Some of them, they are. And uh, less so in some of the neighborhoods that are really still mm -hmm. um, farther from campus. Sure. Uh, and the, the, the thing is that we live in a capitalist, you know, ma uh, managed capitalism, mm -hmm. and people have the right to do things on their property that, that are legal, which mm -hmm. means they comply with the zoning. Yeah. And uh, they risk a lot with investment, and they have a right to make money. It's not illegal to make money. That's what it means to sure. be uh, in the housing business. You don't do it to lose money. Sure, sure. Um, and, I'm not trying not to say but, and uh, that development has to happen in a way that is helpful to the town as a whole. Right. So uh, my concern is that we aren't thinking far enough ahead mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to a plan that would turn that around somehow. Yeah. Looking at different kinds of incentives, 
because the town is changing kind of without us noticing in ways that we aren't, the ways that we're not noticing are more dramatic, in my opinion, than the things we are noticing. So we're noticing the high, you know, the high buildings and the students moving into them from off campus. But meanwhile, the school population is shrinking. Yeah. When, when Fort River was built, there were, I think, 241 entering kindergartners. Yeah, wow. And this last year, there were 95. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was the total population of students at Fort River? Well, the school was built for 750. Mm -hmm. um, I assume that's about how many they had. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And Wildwood was also built for 750. Uh, but we, but the town is very um, has a lot of low-income people. Mm -hmm. We still need to do more with affordable housing. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a real demographic. Uh, fracturing yeah. right now and to solve it requires thinking 10 15 years ahead rather than next year yeah. and my worry is that the debate in town has been s structured around do we want more development how do we develop our village centers in our downtown and the debate is between more buildings in our downtown or less or smaller or bigger or taller or not taller or not taller parking or not parking and we're not we're sort of missing the forest yeah. for the tree, that's an overworked uh, saying. So we're missing what's, what's happening that's really changing yeah. our town in, in serious ways. Wow. So we can't afford um, boutique schools <laughs> uh, without the number of students. Sure. I mean, it would be nice to have, um, Mark's Meadow closed, it was heartbreaking. We had 220 students, it was yeah. wonderful. It was in a way what the model <coughs> is that people are asking mm -hmm. for now, sort of a, small neighborhood school that the kids could walk to school <clears throat> and all of that. But even there, most kids couldn't walk. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody can walk. There, the number of kids who could walk to Fort right. River, you could probably count on right. on your hands and feet. And that's because the whole district for that school is quite large. It's huge. It's Amherst Woods. It's Echo Hill. It's up by uh, Flathills and Flat Hills. You know, it's, North Amherst. It's, yeah. it's not, you know... So I, I don't, I, you know, I'm, this is a, I don't want to be too controversial here, although maybe you want me to be. I, I want to hear from you, actually. <laughs> um, so I, I uh, schools, the, there's a lot of history around the word neighborhood schools. Uh, and it's been code for people who live where I live, people like me, people who live mm. here. It's code for, uh, it's been code for segregation. Mm. It's been code for... Uh, NIMBY attitudes, mm -hmm. not in my backyard. And, uh, you know, in New York, in Brooklyn, they have neighborhood schools that have, you know, 2,000 kids in them. They all live, yeah. they all actually can walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very uh, concerned about, well, financially, I'm concerned about schools that have half the number of kids in them that used to have. Can mm -hmm. we afford that? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm concerned about um, the fact that uh, the schools without busing kids to out of their district mean that children will go to school with to largely students from the same economic sure. socioeconomic so background. So they don't get to meet kids with that who come. are from low income. Yeah. yeah, as much. I mean, it's not. There was a black young woman who spoke at town meeting not that long ago who was very. Uh, eloquent about that, that she was sorry she had missed 
growing right, up that with was kids a, of color and different economic groups. A high school senior, Carolyn, I can't remember. Okay, yeah. I don't know her She name. was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, and when you bus kids and they, but they don't live with those children, near those children, it's, it's just, mm -hmm. uh, it's hard. Yeah. But even yeah. at Mark's Meadow, my kids had to take the bus. It was sure. a mile away. Sure. Uh, or I say a mile. I mean, they could have walked. Right. You know, you hear about these right. good old days when people walk two miles to school every, but uh, it's not safe. <laughs> so, so we're we're talking about the school issue and this, you know, revisit that we'll be doing. I'm also a town meeting member, um, but how do you feel that that relates to the charter commission and the work that you're doing on the um, commission? <clears throat> I'm not sure. Um, so the Charter Commission, the Charter Commission relates more to what I was speaking about earlier, which is how we do development, right. who decides, how much participation is there, um, and all that's become much, much more complicated by the, I hate to say rancor, but the uh, sort of unhealthy attitudes people bring to the debate. Mm -hmm. I love debate and controversy. Yeah. But when it becomes ad hominem or people uh, assign motives mm -hmm. or interpret everything you say based on what they think of you and how they, uh, whether they like, you know, pre And that there's a lack of just basic trust? It's a lack of trust. There's a lack of uh, honest conversation. There's mm -hmm. a lack of common ground. There's a lack of looking for common ground. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of um, communication skill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or people mm -hmm. who have communication skills throwing them out the window uh, and <laughs> saying things that are just, you know, wacky. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the, it's like, really? <laughs> Is that really mm -hmm. what you think? Mm -hmm. Is there another way you could have said that, maybe? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't know what to yeah. do because it is larger than Amherst. It's Sure. Uh, it's a, I mean, Amherst, believe it or not, I'm always surprised by this, but we are somewhat of a microcosm of the country at large. Right. Even though we think that we're so, right. so much different. Right. Yeah. So the, I'm not sure what the, the relationship between the school debate and the town meeting debate is, is complicated. One argument is that people who support the school are upset the town meeting um, defeated it, it and yeah. so that makes them less likely to support town meeting and there are people who perhaps the opposite who mm -hmm. uh, maybe didn't care about town meeting but they're so glad this got defeated that they like town meeting more now than they did. Right. I think that's probably, there are probably very few people who are changing their mind yeah. over that. Yeah. Um, I'm a supporter of town meeting and I'm a supporter of the new school. I mean, that's kind of a... Yeah. The, yeah. Um, I think that um, the Charter Commission has to deal with this rancor problem, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And the two issues are related in that the school debate is fueling the rancor and the partisanship and the suspicion. Okay. And what I'm worried about, and I know at least some other Charter Commission members are worried about, is that whatever we come up with, it will create winners and losers, mm -hmm. especially if we have a four to five vote sure. in support of the Charter. That's just barely a majority. Right. And um, um, 
the question then for the Charter Commission, in my opinion, is do you, which I would support, but I may be a minority, do you come up with a charter proposal that's less bold and less radical? It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily get rid of town meeting, but changes it yeah. in ways that make it more manageable. Yeah. And that address some of the concerns of the other side, but without mm -hmm. eliminating it. Um, with the hope that that might bring people together and then add some other things that would also create more opportunity for dialogue and conversation. Like I'm proposing a neighborhood councils oh. that could be two precincts so they're not unmanageable, so mm -hmm. there would be only five, and yeah. that the town staff would, they would have a leadership and agendas meetings and town staff would go and present as requested information so people would have access to everybody, sure. everybody who lives there, not just town meeting members, but to try to create some other participation that would feed into town meeting so that people who are, the, the, the interesting debate that I had never understood until I was on the Charter Commission is whether or not someone who's a town meeting member is a representative of yes. that precinct. So the word representative, there are two words used in the law. One is representative, representative town meeting and the other is limited. When you take mm -hmm. a, a direct open town meeting, which is everybody who shows up, and you reduce it to a yeah. certain number of people from each precinct, the two terms are representative town meeting and limited town meeting. Right. Whether representative means they literally represent you, in other words, you should know what people think, right. or you just are the person who got elected. Right. And it's, I'm not sure what should be. It would be very helpful if we could agree right. on one one meaning of what it is. Right. Some people in town meeting will. I've heard of people like on the school vote. Jim Scott said, "I was for the schools, but I voted against it because that's how my precinct voted." Yeah. And other people say, "You know, I got elected, and particularly this may be the most uh, prestige they've." ever had yeah. and they go for it whatever you know they yeah. let their yeah. own opinion dictate I, I personally like the idea of calling it limited because then Me it too. just gets rid of all the ambiguity right um, on, yeah. on, on the other hand if people wish it were more representative mm -hmm. that's something that we could do hmm. we could have these neighborhood councils that meet and tell the representative what they want wow. but a representative doesn't have to always vote the way they're, I mean, in Congress, sometimes it's the brave congresswoman or congressman who votes against their district because of the, doing the right thing. So it, nobody yeah. should be a robot. Sure. But if we want to build in more sense that they represent a precinct, a part of town, and the precincts are very different. If you live in precinct 10, yeah. um, it's very different from precinct 9 yeah. or, or 6 very, very different in the things you have to worry about mm -hmm. in terms of mm -hmm. students, development, traffic. They're really different. Yeah. Um, uh, we could make it, we could create mechanisms so that there was more representation, like neighborhood councils. Yeah. Um, we could all, but I think people don't realize all the things that town meeting accomplishes. Yeah. One that I think is really important is leadership development and mm -hmm. talent, talent uh, discovery because you learn so much in town meeting. I can't imagine how they would fill all those committee meet, committee yeah. seats without town meeting to sort of identify right. the people in town who have sure. talent and interest and skill. 
Right. And that's just one, one and thing. Another thing that I've always thought is the ripple out effect, that mm -hmm. the pe people who are in the room on a given night and hear the details of a particular part of our, of our town can then go and tell their, their friends when they're having coffee together or yeah. they understand something in a, de in a deeper way. Right. Well, yeah. they can say, you've got to read that article on page three of the bulletin. Right. It's really important and here's what I know about it. When you otherwise would just be flipping the pages right. because you don't understand. Um, yeah. And there are things that, like whether the DPW should have uh, a better headquarters. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to, that is such a, Lack, nobody's going to care about that mm -hmm. if they don't actually understand how important it is sure. and how much our public safety and the uh, yeah, yeah. snow plowing and so on exactly. depends on them having a dispatching place that, that's functional. I mean, even though it's quite lengthy when we go through the budget, it's such an opportunity. And, you know, that might be something to change to shorten it a bit. But it is a time when we all get really educated about mm -hmm. how many police cars there right. are and how many fire trucks and how mm -hmm. you know how all that works. Right. And one of the questions if there wasn't so much if it wasn't so contentious whether it could be shorter. Mm -hmm. Brookline is a larger town and they have a town meeting that goes for three nights. Wow. Uh, whip through the budget, yeah. whip through everything. And there's yeah. trust between the town meeting and the town staff that um, we don't have, and can, can it's hard to, we need to, maybe we should all go to Brookline and hang out and there and see, see how they do it. So I, I get, in my own mind, a disconnect when I hear people complaining that it isn't representative enough, but then move to the idea that a mayor, one person, would be more representative. How, how does that work? Well, they say the council would be more representative. And how does that work? Well, they think that because it would be fewer, the argument goes, there'd be fewer counselors that you would know who your counselor was, and so if they did something you didn't like, you would vote them out. But if they did something you didn't like, that thing would be in place. Right. So that if you vote them out in two more years, you're still stuck with whatever with the thing they, they did. did. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think the arguments, to me, the arguments... That's one of the weakest arguments for moving from town meeting to a council. Yeah. Um, is that it would be more accountable. Yeah. And the argument is, well, town meeting takes so long. Average everyday people can't, don't have time to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, they'd have less time for a council. So that that argument doesn't work for me. Yeah. The yeah. argument that makes sense is it would be more efficient. So. Uh, but then the question is, is efficiency a, va a higher value than? Right. The fact is, in my opinion, I shouldn't say fact. The fact in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> if we didn't have the rancor yeah. and the mistrust, town meeting on both sides, but particularly on the part of town meeting, some people, minority really, because uh, actually town meeting passes most things by far, the, right. overwhelmingly, right. Uh, this problem of town meeting would largely go away. Yeah, yeah. So I remember another factor that I think is relevant. I remember, I don't know if it was the first charter or the second charter in, in the 90s, but a lot of very first, I think. wise people mm -hmm. who were knowledgeable had been on the finance committee and select board and were in town meeting and that they all because they got 
you know, they didn't want to be part of town meeting anymore. They walked away from the process. Huh. And it was after that that I felt that there was more and more suspicion growing. And uh, there were just, uh, there was a lot of expertise and historical institutional knowledge and memory mm -hmm. and people had, you know, good heads mm -hmm. on their shoulders mm -hmm. who decided that they didn't want to be part of town meeting anymore. Mm -hmm. They wanted a change. And if we weren't going to have a change, they weren't going to get involved mm -hmm. again. And uh, I think that has had an impact. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's had an impact. But now I think a lot of those people who don't want town meeting are very involved. They're on sitting on. They're there at town meeting, a lot of them. Okay. Um, Good. I mean, the funny thing is about the charter commission is the discussions about town meeting. But there are we've identified at least as many problems with the executive function as with what's the legislative function. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. Well, just briefly. Um, the select board uh, could be stronger, in my opinion. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's, I think the, this is my opinion, but that the town manager and the select board share an executive function, but there's also executive function in the school committee and the planning board. And I think we could make it clearer mm -hmm. who's setting priorities hmm. uh, and make it clearer the role the select board has in relation to the manager in terms of setting priorities and keeping and providing support to staff so that everybody knows what everybody's working on. Yeah. Um, and you don't have uh, multiple committees working on the same thing. I think there are four sure. different committees that work on housing and low income issues. Hmm. And they're not, so there are ways that there could be better coordination. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so I'm frustrated, you know, this whole learning experience of learning so much about sure. my town more than I thought, didn't realize quite <laughs> what we were getting in for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that I think we need to look at both and simply having a mayor. Uh, doesn't necessarily just do that, but right. um, I think the thing I started to say before, I guess I'd like to be sure I make this point, that the Charter Commission has to decide, I guess I did make it, what kind of proposal we're going to make, whether mm -hmm. we're going to make one that uh, has five out of nine s charter members supporting it, yeah. And then those four have to decide, are they, on one of those, going to write a minority report? So mm -hmm. we have two. Um, do you participate, you know, or, or would it be better to do something that's more modest but has a chance of healing yeah. the debate? And, but really change town meeting, too. Make it smaller, maybe some more subcommittees. More, meet four, my proposals meet four times a year. Yeah. Um, figure out how to do zoning differently. Sure. Within the state requirements, though, because zoning's yep. a little bit The state, bit man, tricky. the Massachusetts general law, they limit so many options. Sure. Crazy. And the other wow. problem is the it's a good thing, but it's a problem is the uh, open meeting law. We can't discuss things between meetings yeah. except in little yeah. groups. So you can't have. It's very hard to have exchange yeah. about your ideas. And what did you mean by that? And clarify that a little more. And we'll think about what about this. It's it's very hard to do because it has to happen all in the meetings. So okay. um, it's limited. It's it's a. People should come to our meetings. I don't know how far oh, in the future this this tape is going to be shown, yeah, but it'll be shown in a in a couple weeks. Well, so. we're going to be doing this through so the summer yeah. and the fall. So for all of those who are watching <laughs> and interested, please get involved. Go to charter commission meetings. Uh, run for town meeting. Yeah, run for town meeting. And since I'm thanking everyone because we're <laughs> at the end of this interview. 
I'd also like to ask all the viewers to please remember to donate money to Amherst Media. Yes. We all need to put our focus there. And many thanks Ditto. to the staff and the interns here at Amherst Media, and especially to you, Meg. Thank you well, so much. Thank you, Marcy, and thanks to Amherst Media. I'm blown away by all you all do here. Yeah.